0: If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML, All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran.
1: That's it, everybody. We are back. This is episode 206. How do you start a new project? So this episode's a bit of a bit of a, I don't know, a divided episode, a bit of a two perspective episode, maybe. And what we're trying to get at is, is, you know, obviously when you start a new project, you get all your tools together, you start coding it at some point, there's a design process. Typically there's a process and we'll get into some of that. But what I kind of wanted to hit was almost like a niche idea, I guess, in my head is that there's. A different way that I, and we'll see if Mike does the same, there's a different way that I approach different types of new projects. Specifically if it's a completely new project versus a an upgrade to an existing project or a replacement for an existing project. So we'll get into what all that means and how how, how we tackle different types of pro different types of new projects like that. And if this sounds interesting to you, you can go support the show and you want to support the show, you can go check us out on that Patreon, leave a review rating on your podcast app, join us in our Discord server or share this with your friends and diving in right into the first segment here, which is starting a completely new project. So I'm going to give some context before Mike and I discuss this. So when you're starting a new project, and I mean like a brand new project, there's no technical debt and no old data that needs to be migrated. You have the luxury of a completely new plan and a completely blank canvas to start working from. So this luxury comes in the avoidance of the two aforementioned things. No technical debt is the first one. And what does that mean? So technical debt are basically parts of a project that weigh it down. At least this is my definition of it. It weighs it down. And fixing it, fixing that that weight, is generally blocked by something, whether it's financial, managerial, or technical. And a basic example of a piece of technical debt would be a performance-intense plugin on a WordPress site that you would like to get rid of, but you can't due to a specific issue. Like, for example, the site inexplicably crashes when it's disabled, so you're stuck keeping it. And you might say, well, you know, put in the work and fix it, but maybe there's no budget for that, or maybe there's no time for that, etc., etc. Another example of technical debt would be keeping old databases or CMS around because so much data already exists in them. This costs you the ability to implement new features that you would that would normally help with new UX and new performance, et cetera. This goes for things that are still supported as well. So we've used old CMS and old site building systems where they are still supported and get updates every month or on whatever schedule they are. But because they're old, they themselves come with a level of technical debt. And if you decide to, you know, let's say. You're on version five and a couple versions pass you by and you don't do the updates for whatever reason. And you decide, OK, we need to get to version seven. The fact that you are stuck in this system is is a really a version of technical debt, especially if the system is weighing you down and causing like a variety of problems, really. Like maybe team members are having trouble with stuff, tasks that would normally take five minutes or taking 10, 15, 20, maybe an hour, things like that. So having to stay with an old system. So when you, when you have a new project, you're avoiding all this sort of technical debt stuff because there is no technical debt yet or virtually no technical debt yet. You don't have to worry about it. And the second thing that you are avoiding, and this is a luxury again of starting a, this brand new project is there's no old data to migrate. So you might think that that's the same as the old databases or the old CMS or all any of that stuff. But to me, it's separate because. This allows you to choose your database, your CMS or other data handling tech based on your professional opinion and not based on whatever tech works with the old data. Now, I'll touch more on details on, you know, this old data migration stuff in the next segment. But just to kind of clarify the difference between the technical debt version of this and this, to me, when you have to actually physically migrate data over, there's a lot of different considerations So you have to, you know, are we keeping this CMS? Can I convert the data to something else? This, that, and the other thing. And whether it's a bit of subconscious or whether it's actually a conscious decision, it's going to steer your decision. Because let's say you wanted to use like a brand new database technology. And currently you're using this really old one and it has to be replaced. You can't use the old one. It's no longer supported. But converting it to this brand new type of database is really cumbersome. You may choose a database tech that's like a little old but still supported, so it's steering your decision on that migration. So you're avoiding this as well when you have a brand new project, which is great. But with this, there's some weird little caveats and weird little things that I've observed myself doing, having just started a brand new project. And I want to, and I've devised these things or divided all these sort of thoughts I've had into a few questions that Mike and I'll discuss now. So first question here. Do you explore as many new technologies as possible since you have the freedom to do so, or do you use whatever is compatible and familiar?
2: That's a really good question. Um, and honestly, like I've I've been through both stages where I've gone through and tried a bunch of different technologies and I or and I've been to the stage where I'm like, you know what? I'm comfortable with you. I'm comfortable with Svelte or something like that. And I'm just going to stick with that. Plus all the other technological decisions you have to make. Obviously, it's not just front-end framework when you're doing like a niche project or something. But it, (sighs) I, I hate doing this because I do it every time. But like it always depends on what you're building. If you're building a project that is going to be maintained by many, many different people down, you know, multiple years, right? It's not just you it's a completely different decision-making process on a completely different route than if you're building a side project. If I'm building a side project, I'm looking at all the coolest technologies like that are available, right? I'm looking at the most advanced stuff that, that just came out even like, you know, a year ago or something like that. And I'm going to try it and I'm going to like, you know, maybe even do some prototyping with it and stuff like that to make sure it can fill all my needs. So I'm going to spend a I'm going to spend some time in this section if it's something that i'm working on for myself that i'm not planning on passing off to anyone in the near future, right? If it's a project for a company, like a corporate decision, completely different. I'll choose the most stable technology that is available and the technology that fits the re- the requirements of the project, the one that you can find the b- most developers for at a, in a reasonable time frame the ones that the one that can be redundant, the ones that can scale stuff like that. Like my considerations start to go completely in a different way. And that's where, you know, the familiarity is number one out of everything. So as long as I'm familiar or something, that's the most important thing. Then it goes down to like, who, who can I bring on? Do I know any developers that can work with this technology? Uh, Then it goes down to performance. And uh, obviously, Obviously, in those steps, maybe the close to number one actually would be also requirements filling like it has the technology that I'm picking has to has to fill the requirements of the project. But that's it. That's about it for me. Like, I think those are the kind of trade offs that I make depending on the project type.
1: So this point is actually something that I I struggle with. And the reason why that is, is because I always struggle between and it kind of sounds like you have this with your personal versus, say, a corporate or client project. Is I struggle with the doing something, so implementing a feature just because I can versus does the project actually need it? Because I feel like I have the freedom without the technical debt, without anything to migrate, without a sort of pre existing template or pre existing thing that I'm replacing. I have this freedom where, oh man, we could do this, that, and the other thing. And I feel like that's actually detrimental to the productivity of the project. Now, you could argue that this is the time to do it, kind of figure all that stuff out, get stuff done. But I feel like it's almost a way, this is kind of one of the ways that technical debt gets introduced because somebody thought it'd be great to have some sort of calculator on their website and they use some sort of WordPress plugin, but no one's really going to use that, but they did it just because they wanted to see this plugin in action. And then down the road, it might be the plugin that causes the site to have problems and there's a little bit of technical debt type of thing. So this is kind of where I, I struggle and what I what I've been doing and what I've just recently done as I've just started a new project is I've used technologies that I've researched quite a bit and I have, from my initial research, cut out things that I thought were superfluous. I don't need this, I don't need that, et etc. And I've just gotten rid of them. And then I've decided, okay, I want to aim what I'm learning and these new tools I'm using towards the potential usage in the future. So Mike and I are doing running an agency and, or we're running an agency and having projects just for ourselves. So I'm at that point where, okay, I want technology that isn't just cool. Cause I like it. Cause like, I really like the Stargate show. I'm not going to go and install like a Stargate, <laughs> a Stargate WordPress plugin, if that even exists just to have it in there. But so, but so what I'm doing is I'm, I'm choosing technologies that I would enjoy using that I think would make my job easier or that I think are cool, but that complement the project and complement potentially future projects. So I'm investing effectively time in this project, whatever I'm working on, but then I'm gaining skills through this practice and through these new technologies that I'm learning and some old as well, depending on whatever fits the project the best, old and new. And then I'm coming together and I'm basically building this project out with the idea that this, let's say tech stack or whatever set of tools that I've chosen could be used down the road on a client project, maybe another project Mike and I want to put together. It's not just really specifically for this project and parts that are very specific for this project. I try to keep to a minimum because I know that I'm going to learn how to use whatever tool it is implement it on this project and then probably never use it again. And it's sort of a waste of skill learning time. So that's kind of where I'm at. And to comment on the old technologies that I mentioned, but why old technologies, I don't mean no, that came from the past because this is a a blank slate, effectively, a blank canvas, brand new project. What I mean by that is old stuff. So stuff that I've used in the past. Like I'm familiar with this host. So like I'll just use this host to get this project kind of going. So I try to have a bit of a hybrid where I'm you know, kind of putting myself on the clock and trying to think about, you know, a prospective client type of thing. Um, Maybe this even is a client project, but like there's no rush or something. So I try to have fun with the project, but I also try to keep it kind of grounded so it doesn't kind of go off the rails. The next project or the next, (laughs) next project, the next question here, do you work quickly or slow and methodical? To make the first public build as perfect as possible, since this is a brand new project that's debuting for the first time.
2: Okay, so for this one, no, I even in like, so the the answer kind of stands for both uh, side project and enterprise level like client projects. No, I do not try to go slow and methodical for the for the first build of the project. And that's because... There's going to be a lot of decision-making that's done after the first build. And what you want to get to, you want to get to the point where you're releasing as fast as possible as – with obviously, take into account that it, it's still going to take time. I'm not saying, you know, pressure your team to work 24 hours a day. I'm saying in a reasonable setting, try to come up with a set of requirements and a set of features that are going to take you, you know, instead of six months, only three months to build. Let's just say that, Right to get something out the door and i do this because the decision making that we do in those first three months some of that is almost guaranteed to be wrong and i think you have to go into it thinking that you're willing to change your like pivot your uh, technology stack pivot your direction of features pivot everything after your first build is out you don't know how the Customers are going to use it. You don't even know how your internal team is going to use a tool that you're making. You don't know anything until you actually make it and put it in front of them. That's just the reality of building applications and building websites. It is a very much, hey, let's put our best foot forward and then adapt to the situation as customers start to use it. Get some, get as much data as we can and use that data in a smart way to you know put the button on the left-hand side instead of the right-hand side or maybe no, like this awesome feature that we built out uh, for you know auto scheduling your appointments, no one's using that because they like to actually choose their times when they want to go to appointments. So we spent a bunch of time on it. that sucks, but no one's using it, so let's move on. those that decision making has to happen very coldly and rapidly as you're building. And if you're gonna be going slow and methodical at the beginning of a project, you're gonna get to the point where you're gonna be kind of like in the sunk cost fallacy uh, fallacy where you're like, hey, I've spent a year building out this auto appointment feature. No one's using it, but let's let's just keep developing it because we've sunk so much time into it. Whereas if you've only sunk three months into it, and obviously these time scales can change depending on the size of the project. I'm just giving an example. But if you sunk only three months into it, it's gonna be a little bit easier for you to move on. So it's a mental thing, and then it's also a actual functional like money time thing as well.
1: So I'm I'm on the fence and and I kind of do a little of both, Uh, although I'm probably leaning more toward Mike these days due to the points, most of the points that he mentioned. Uh, One thing that so I'll just say what I'm doing. So I'm I'm building out for my other podcast. I'm building out a website uh, that my uh, my friends and I are going to be maintaining, but I'm using that project as a as a way for me to learn Elementor. So we have some some uh, other projects that are coming up that are probably going to be using Elementor. And so I need to use that, which is a, a page builder, site builder, whatever you want to call it, um, that is uh, associated with WordPress. It's a WordPress plugin, if you don't know. But, you know, it because it's a full on, you know, piece of software, It's you know it has a lot of features, a lot of tools, I have to learn what's going on. And so I've been going slow and methodical on it, but not like I'm just sitting there, like kind of screwing around. It's like, I build something out in it, and then I'm kind of like, oh, like, you know, this this is kind of messy. So I delete it and I like do it again. This is kind of messy and it's getting better. Like it's because it's iterative, right? I'm learning more, more how to use the thing, and so I'm getting more efficient. But what I'm finding is that I'm showing very, very little real progress. And so if I had just quickly ripped through it, it would probably be a mess in the back end, but it would be fixable. With that being said, would I ever go back and fix it? I don't know. And then am I going to be developing bad habits? I also don't know. And I don't want to start introducing technical debt in a way where, uh, like, I, you know, start implementing a bunch of custom features, like maybe a bunch of custom CSS and stuff in areas where Elementor could handle it. And then I start having conflicts with updates of Elementor, which causes, once again, technical debt and all these other problems. So this is kind of where I'm on the fence on. I think it almost might be an IT thing where when I used to be in IT and and I do IT for my family members, so I kind of still am. You you troubleshoot issues and those issues, you know, stem from a variety of things, updates, this and that and the other thing. But what you see a lot is stuff that was preventable. And so what I guess what I'm what I'm trying to do with a new project, maybe incorrectly, though, or unrealistically, is I'm trying to prevent problems or make things easily trouble, more easily troubleshot in the future when issues arise. But there's probably and like there will always be random problems with just stuff. And so this is kind of where, where like I differ, I guess, like I'm taking a long time on a project and not like a ridiculous amount of time, I'm not taking like a month to make a nav bar or anything like, you know, it's a couple of days or a day or something, but instead of a couple of hours and it's sort of like, is that acceptable? Maybe because now I've learned a bit of how Elementor works. So now when I go back in there each and every time I'm getting better and better and better and then the final project will be hopefully super polished. But is that really matter to the public? And this is kind of where I get torn. So what ends up usually happening, specifically if there's a deadline involved, is I work methodical, slow methodical for a while, and then I realize the deadline's coming up, and then I just bang it out. So I don't know if that's good or bad. Um, I don't know whether, you know, rushing through something and then even if it's just a no-code tool or a page builder or whatever... Whether it's a good idea to rush through something and then come back and refactor it. Because to me, I always think, you know, you're leaving a mess. So you're kind of like you're building this project and you're leaving all this mess behind you in a wake of just chaos that you're building. But then when you get to the finished product and you're like, OK, I'm going to go back and refactor. Let's say you left 100 dirt piles in your in your wake. And you think you, as you go through to refactor, you're going to be cleaning up all these dirt piles, but you're probably going to miss ten of them. And that's kind of where I always worry. And maybe, I, maybe like incorrectly. I, what what is your opinion on that, Mike? Like, is that is that crazy? Like, I don't know. Like, should I be learning, especially in this Elementor case? I suppose should I be doing slow, methodical, keep refactoring, get to a, like a com- a comfort point, not fully comfortable, but like a comfort point, and then bang it out? Or is that counterintuitive? Like, what do you think?
2: I don't know. I think everyone's different in this case. Um, but like a balanced approach isn't a bad thing. I think like, you know, getting some, getting some, a little bit of polish as you go along the way, uh, even in a rapid development cycle is not a bad thing. And I, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm more, I, I like to k- finish tasks now, even if it takes me an extra day. You know what I mean? I don't try to finish tasks to the point where everything's perfect. I want to say that because my mindset is, if I'm doing something for the first time, it's going to be shit no matter what, right? It might not be like really bad for the customer. I want to say it. I want to be that clear in my like, you know, for me five years from now, it's going to be bad. So I want to get it out of the way as quickly as possible and as structurally as possible. Like I want it to be good in the sense that I'm doing my best in the given time frame, but I don't want to invest a ton of time into trying to polish something that I just don't know enough about to polish. I think... The advantage of going quicker is once you start, you know, building page upon page upon page. Every page that you build is going to be slightly better, no matter what. Like it's that's just how it is.
1: Right, iterative like learning, effectively. Exactly,
2: exactly. So you build. So the first page, like you build it, it might take you some time. The second page you build it, it might take you a little bit less time, and you keep going. You might f- figure out something on the sixth page that you you know would have accelerated you ten times faster on the first on the first page. But the point is, is that on the sixth page, you're already six pages in. You could have spent that time polishing the first page, right? And learn that process. But now you only have one page done. Whereas now you you got that, you're on the sixth page, you understand that process. Like if you need to go back and do a little bit of refactoring, you can, but you don't have to because your first page is okay, right? You can just continue and working on the seventh page and eighth page and then finish the project. So that's where my mindset is like i don't like to when i do my first initial layouts and i do my first wire framing and stuff like that i'm always thinking that like hey this is going to be a first pass it might be a good first pass that that's happened before where i do a first pass and i you know it's fine it's not perfect or anyway, but i don't aim for perfect almost ever um so it it might just be there but if it's not perfect i can go back and refactor it if i need to you're right in the sense that you're probably not going to a lot of the time. So you're going to have a hundred dirt piles in there. But if it is a project that's working out, like let's say you're, the website that you're designing is all of a sudden, you know, number one on Google and stuff like that, that incentive for you to go back and refactor is going to be really high. Because every refactor that you make, if you have the right data, you can be like, oh, look, I've I've made this change. I made this a little bit faster. I've learned a little bit more. And look at what it's – how it's impacting, you know, uh um, Conversion rates, or whatever you want to, whatever you want to say. If it's a project that doesn't take off, then you're not going to refactor it. Like that's just the reality of it. You're not going to go back and refactor. So that's that's where I'm at with it. Again, I think it is different person to person, right? So like the, the level of polish you want to get to, but I, I wouldn't get too stuck on becoming good. Like you're just learning Elementor, even if you stay on one page for you know three days. And you do that for the entire project, you're still not going to be an amazing Elementor developer after you finish this project. Whereas if you finish the project in three days, and I'm just making these time frames up, obviously, these aren't real time frames. If you finish the project in three days, and it's not the greatest thing in the world, you finished a project, you've gotten a good base, and now your next project is going to be better. And you have a finished project, obviously. So that's my mindset. Again, take that with a grain of salt as you may, but um, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's almost like the way I almost thought of it was some people are going to be really polishing everything they do because and and like having to put effort into that polish. Um because it's almost like an uh, either they like really like things that are super polished, but it's almost like an artistic perspective where they want this to just be just so, if you will. But then if you keep doing projects like you're 100% correct, you keep doing projects 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 projects. Like our third or might have been our fourth webflow project is like completely portfolio. Like I show it off to clients. I've gotten like prospective clients in meetings. I've gotten lots of like compliments. People really like it. It took a long time. It works. It has a bunch of custom stuff. It has a bunch of webflow stuff. The, the list goes on, but it was because it was the third or fourth project. And so less time goes into that polish there. But I liked your you know, what I'm trying to say because I'm I'm already got my skill, so I'm not going to be making the same stupid mistakes that I made or the same inefficiencies that I've made in the first pass on my first project ever. Because I'm on my my third, fourth, fifth, sixth project, and I'm starting from a good base and like by almost practicing working quickly within reason, I'm not like running a race, but practicing just pushing a for uh, uh, pushing a project forward. It's almost like I'm practicing my s- more skills faster. If that makes sense, it's kind of a half-baked thought, but yeah, I agree with that. And I like your I like your perspective on the usage of it. If I make a project like I don't know, um, I'm gonna sell. I have a cup beside me. I'm gonna sell these cups, and so my first pass might just be a complete template where I just re- like change the logo, you know, whatever quickly do this on whatever platform shopify, woocommerce, whatever, it doesn't matter. I build out this thing, squarespace, maybe even custom, but I quickly do it basically. And it's just an e-shop where I or an e-commerce shop where I sell these these literally just a plastic water cup. That's it. Well, if that thing takes off, you're 100% correct, I'm going to be, oh, you know, we we don't have the capacity, we need to upgrade the hosting. Oh, we you know, we let's really make sure, you know, this is secure or Hey, let's let's really, really polish up this uh, whatever plugin because it, it it's it's kind of heavy and we're getting so many users now that we don't want to buy a new hosting quite yet. And so the polishing kind of comes naturally in that case. So that makes a lot of sense. I, I'm, I'm trying to make like a magnum opus. Like right away, and I don't think that's how a magnum opus commonly comes about. I think that's probably my problem. Interesting. All right. Final, final question for this segment. How much consideration is placed into longevity, specifically in regards to systems that are supported long term or can easily export data in common formats? This is from the perspective, once again, of you're at a blank, like a brand new project, blank canvas. But you do have to consider that this project is going to have a future. And so how is that going to look? Do you consider that at all?
2: hundred percent. Yeah. I consider it very highly. Um, I think I won't use a platform that doesn't have a way to off ramp. So if, if it's a locked in, if it's a locked in platform completely with no exports, I won't even consider it. Okay. So it's definitely really high, no matter what size project that I'm going to be doing. It's just like a, I don't know what it is. Cause I, I like, I'm just trying to think of a time that I actually did off ramp and I can't. Um, there probably is, but I just I want to have an exit strategy, because anything can happen. Again, you build a side project, it takes off. And the platform that you chose dies. That's a very possible thing. At this point, there's a million and one different platforms out there for dev tools and for hosting and for uh, front end, you know, whatever, like there, there's a million different tools out there. And the reality is, is that only a small percentage of those will survive in the next 10 years. So whatever choice you make, if you're thinking long term, it's a good idea to think like, hey, can this tool, can you ex- export the data out of this tool so I can import into a different one, right? Like If you're using a CMS, let's say you're using a hosted CMS, especially like a, uh, a CMS that handles all the database stuff for you like Sanity IO. right? I love Sanity, great product. But I would not use Sanity because they hold my data if I couldn't off ramp. Now, you can, I believe, I'm 99% sure you can off ramp off Sanity. So I would continue to use it, obviously. But if I couldn't, I wouldn't use a platform like that. That's where I'm at with like consideration or longevity. I have to have a way to get out. It's a good, it's a good uh,
1: sort of feature to have um, sort of ready because there's there's things where maybe you're not even jumping ship maybe you're using a hosted version of something like a CMS where they host it and they have a limit on that and then they have like a you host it version right so they they're no longer hosting it they're not cloud usually it's sold as like a cloud or an all-in-one solution they're all in one solution or their cloud solution you you've surpassed it but you you really like the CMS So you can download it and self-host it, host it on your own stuff, your dedicated hardware, AWS, whatever it is. But you can host it on something more powerful. Well, you still need to kind of move that data over. And if they don't have like a specific solution for that, you're kind of, quote unquote, off ramping. Right. And then moving over, even if it's not about the company that you're with. If you still like them, you still want to use a product. You can kind of use this, this off ramping solution to sort of get it onto your dedicated hosting type of thing. It's a good. It's a. It's a good thing to consider, especially when things kind of get out of hand. And what I mean by that is, things like today, specifically content, is like there's so much content that's made. It. It's just like it's out of control. There's just a ton of content, and you could easily surpass a CMS's limits. You could easily surpass your host's bandwidth, um, especially if you're trying. You're taking off you could easily surpass a bunch of stuff like that and you need an off ramp just for that due to success you don't want to be having to manually move over 200 like thousand blog posts or something crazy if you have a big team you don't want to move over 7 years of of content over especially when content is again like pumped out so quickly and so absolutely an off ramp you know is really really crucial to uh, longevity absolutely also i would consider in in, in addition to an off ramp i'd consider although i don't consider i consider this a lot and i also don't and that is product support and that might sound stupid but just hear me out so it depends on what it is so if i'm building out something and it's like an e-commerce shop i mean woocommerce better be maintained i mean i, I want to have all the latest security and stuff of course Um, And all the latest, you know, credit card systems because regulations change and the list goes on. Right. So, of course, I want all that stuff. So I need that to be supported. But something that is sort of less that you might build yourself that you yourself wouldn't support. An example would be if you made just like a really quick little slider or made a little quick little light box for an image. And, you know, you're not going to be patching that thing unless there's a problem and the client calls you and they pay you and then you go and you fix it. You're not going to be supporting this thing on an ongoing basis with versions and patch notes and everything else. Stuff like that, I don't really care too much about support, but really critical things that need that need support, like e-commerce or like the actual full platform. Like if WordPress was like, We're no longer like supported, be like, eh, I kind of gonna leave. I think that type of stuff. So that's a so the product or the plugin or whatever it is that I'm using it's how often it's supported or if it's still supported does come into the longevity conversation at varying degrees is basically how I look at it there. Uh, next segment altogether. So this is, uh, you know, kind of changing gears a bit. This is starting a new upgrade to a project. So this section refers to projects that are heavily reliant on an old version of the project. Basically replacing an old site with a new site is probably the most basic example. And an example, like a more specific example of that would be building a new WordPress site or heavily renovating an existing one based on an older version. So literally, you know, taking someone's old WordPress site and then you're starting on a brand new install of WordPress and you're, you know, mimicking or even import, export some of the stuff out of the old and into the new, or you're taking their old WordPress instance and you're. You're leaving no stone unturned. You're doing a full renovation. You're deleting things. You're doing this and that. You're breaking it and this and that in a test environment to just really clean it up. So this is what I mean by like a, a new upgrade to a project you have. You're bringing along with you all this technical debt and stuff like this. And so with that, in this context of doing this upgrade, you cannot avoid technical debt because you're going to inherit at least some of it, even if you're cutting features You might be stuck using an old database or two to to preserve hundreds of hours that were put into filling in the old database. Old plugins and software licenses may force you to use old over new technologies based on maybe how much the new license is. Maybe the new license is on a subscription basis and the old license was perpetual. And so you're you're stuck with the perpetual license because someone won't sign off on that. Or maybe some maybe you're stuck on an older version of something due to grandfathered in pricing and the uh, company or whoever client does not want to purchase anything else. So there's a couple of financial decisions that can affect your technical debt. And then obviously it, those, those things, because they're older, will more than likely have some technical problems. So there's more technical debt. Uh, you also cannot avoid old data to migrate. So a good portion of your time will be finding systems that work with your old data, whether it be a fully compatible system or maybe a way to convert and update it or a way to like get it into a state in which you can move it into your new CMS or new whatever. You can't avoid this, especially if it's an upgrade like like what we're talking about here. Now this type of thing, this sort of data manipulation, data compatibility, this limits and often steers your technology choices, landing somewhere you'll you'll often land somewhere between the tech you want to use and good enough. So you're, let's say there's a 10 point scale and you're at zero right now. That's what, that's where you're currently at. And like, that's the database you're using. And then right at 10, which is the best, that's the one you want to use. You might end up around six or five or seven because there might be a, maybe your old database or your old, your old uh, technology is no longer supported. But it can be exported and easily imported into a system that is also old, but is still supported, but is not your first choice. So you, you're probably going to end up not at the technology you want, but the technology that you're going to end up using due to financial or due to that issue, etc. So with all that laid out, some questions once again. Can a bad enough old project make you turn away a job for a new project? If the old project needs to be largely respected, Mike, what do you think? <laughs>
2: I mean, I'm kind of going through something like this at my current job. Um, and I'm going to say, yes, definitely. There is a, There are probably a lot of situations that would cause this, but I'll give an example on what I would reject. If I'm being brought onto a project where I need to upgrade the systems from something pretty old, let's say Joomla, because I don't like Joomla. And I don't think a lot of our users like Joomla, so I'll kind of shit on it a little bit. Um, Let's say I need to upgrade something from Joomla to, I don't know, Shopify or something. I don't know. Anyway, it's if the situation is that I have to respect a lot of the current Joomla systems, or even if I have to dive into them deeply, and there isn't an expert on hand that knows those systems because maybe they left to go to a different company or the contracting firm is done or whatever, Like that situation is actually pretty common. Those are the kinds of jobs that I' would be very hesitant on taking because the discovery time and the the ramp up time just to learn Joomla because you got to learn it to a pretty high degree to be able to deconstruct and replace it and while respecting some of the systems, right? Like there's a lot to a platform, especially if something that if that something was built over a ten year period, right? Let's say that was the case imagine all the promo codes that could have gone into it with an e-commerce site the bundles that could have been put together the special situations of like return status and stuff like that like there's a million different things that could be in there that the initial requirement gathering wouldn't get like the manager the management or the sales or the marketing team that you're talking to don't know all the situations that the development team would have would have covered So it's your job to go in and not only do the initial requirements gathering, but the discovery process of everything that they've missed, because they might have, you know, the marketing team might not know about the five the promo that was put in five years ago that every Saturday there's a special or something like that that random people can get. They may forget about it, whatever, but that's in the system. So it's an automated system. So you have to go in and learn how all those systems are put in place. So if it's a system that I don't know. I don't know Joomla and I have to go in and learn Joomla from scratch while respecting it and while migrating it and maybe maintaining it because that's a very common process too is like they bring in another firm to do the migration but during that migration, there's like promos that come out, there's different uh, – there's fixes that need to happen and now it's on your shoulders as well, like maintaining this old system while migrating it. It could be a whole disaster, right? Like start to finish. Those are the kinds of jobs that I would probably hesitate to take, right? Because it's just it's a little bit out of your wheelhouse. You're pushing yourself a little bit too far, and you're stretching yourself too thin. And they're probably going to want a pretty sh- strict time frame as well, because usually migrations. I mean, t- having said that, there are migrations that take years. Like there's literally like a sometimes you just if it's a massive monolithic system that needs to be migrated, they budget years to that. Um, but again, would you really want to work with that system for a, for? A couple of years to get it done, those are all the kind of questions that I would be asking myself um even if the money was really good at that point, like let's say that they did meet your monetary requirements right they they they're okay with your invoice again it's it could take years for you to do this. You'd have to be maintaining a Joomlon system potentially for years, something that you hate. <laughs> Like I, saw, like, I
1: I like how much like you've brought up Joomla and like problems in the same in <laughs> the same question
0: well, like,
2: because I'm trying to think of a of, of a situation where I would say I would turn it away and this is the exact like I'm literally pitching the situation that I would be like no nah, I'm not doing that <laughs> like, no matter how much you pay me I'm not going to do that um but for the most part I would say that's still very if it's a system that I know of or I've I've dealt with and I don't mind and there's a lot of good documentation. And you're just doing the migration while respecting it. Usually it's okay. Like you can put a plan in place that the team, if they accept your plan, your time frame, and your invoice. I mean, like stuff will go wrong, right? Like that's something that you have to say upfront. Like you're not, listen, especially a team coming in to do a migration. It's going, something will go wrong. But your, your expectation, you have to set those expectations early. And be like, listen, stuff will go wrong, but we're going to do our best to fix it as soon as possible. But this is part of the migration process, right? If someone's pitching a migration process that's going to go off without a hitch, they're, you know, they're selling you fairy dust. Like, it's just not going to happen. Like, it's not going to happen unless you're some sort of – I no, you know what? It's not going to happen. If you're migrating a massive system from one thing to another, for it to go to plan is almost impossible. And you can at me you know, you can come at me on Twitter that, Hey, I've done this, whatever it's, it's happened before, but I'm calling bullshit on it. I'm sure something went wrong. I'm sure like something didn't go according to plan. You had to cut some feature to make it work or something like that. Like, it's just, it, it's not possible. So as long as you set those expectations, again, you just work through the, the problem. You just set, set those expectations. You You set your tasks and you go forward. So it's not a big deal. Most situations I would not reject.
1: I, I do I once again I do thoroughly enjoy that you brought up Joomla when when talking about some, whether or not you'd, you'd bring up a project I mean like there are some people out there that love Joomla I'm and sure. I just checked and Joomla got a version like not that long ago so it's still absolutely supported and everything <laughs> um,
2: I'm going to have some angry Joomla devs in my, uh, in my DMs that's okay
1: well <laughs> okay. I mean full disclosure I fucking don't know how to use okay. it and I've tried okay. like just to be honest with you I've tried now to be fair this was at the beginning when Mike and I were like I remember I remember you were like here and like you were sitting and we're like, we we went on the TV and we're like, all right, let's like choose a system. So because we're brand new, starting an agency, we're like, let's, let's have some sort of standard system to design our sites. And we came up with, uh, well, the one person wanted us to maintain a Dreamweaver site, which we did. It was a disaster. So we're like, oh, maybe Dreamweaver is OK. You know, again, brand new years ago. Maybe Dreamweaver is all right um, when it's, you know, not you know, grandfathered in with like 600 templates and, you know, this and that and the other thing. And so we look, looked at it and we're like, yeah, no, not, maybe not. And then I had used Joomla in the past uh, on some school project, or at least I was in school during the time. And I was like, hey, like, you know, I know about this thing called Joomla. Let's check it out. And I remember, Mike, like you were trying to get like, a, I want to say you were trying to get something really basic, like a title or something to change on a page. Yep and you just you were so 40 minutes and you're like okay I'm done <laughs> and that was you yeah. know
2: that <laughs> so and I want to be clear that's the only experience I've ever had with Joomla and it's the only experience I will ever have of Joomla <laughs> like so I'm coming from a place of extreme ignorance on the Joomla side of things so this is I am claiming that I am just
0: hating it <laughs> for
2: the sake of it almost literally it almost literally turned me away from web development. I want to I want to call it that because after that day I was like I don't think we can do this. Like if, if every platform is like Joomla, like we we just we got to give up. Like I was literally like, that was my mindset. So it's traumatized me. I will never touch it. I'm sorry Joomla developers.
1: I would love actually to have a Joomla episode, like have a somebody <laughs> yes, somebody that like uses Joomla all the time and like really uses it cuz you know, it's been so long. There's been probably a number of versions that have come out since we've used it. I mean, it says something like unlimited design or something like that on the, on its homepage. I would, or even a, even a Joomla dev would be awesome. Like someone that works on Joomla would be awesome because like I used to hear about Joomla quite a bit. Yeah. It says unlimited design here, search engine friendly, mobile friendly, unlimited design, multilingual, uh, flexible and fully extendable and extensible. Excuse me. And multi user permission levels. Like maybe this thing is awesome. Like I don't know. Um, but like we, we struggled to use it and especially in the beginning. And then we just ended up, although we still don't have a, a standard system for people. Like we still kind of offer like, yeah, we have like six things that we, we could do for you. <laughs> but but it's not um, Joomla. <laughs> one of them is not Joomla. No, that's, that's yeah. right. But uh, I would love to actually have like a legit conversation, um, with somebody that uses it. Appar- according to this, I guess it says case study, Michael Phelps. So I assume he, his site is built on Joomla. <laughs> so Maybe it's awesome. Like maybe we're fools. I don't know. That would be awesome to actually like, seriously, if, if you're listening right now, like don't wait, like hit, hit us up on social media. I would love to talk to you on the show because I have not heard about Joomla in years, but it's still going. So there's definitely people using the crap out of this thing. So.
2: Yep. I would love to hear that.
1: <laughs> um, But for my side of things, so uh, just to re- recap the question, can a bad, can a bad enough old project make you turn away Uh, a job for a new project if the old project needs to be largely respected absolutely i'm the same thing as mike um there's a couple of different systems that i absolutely will not use one of them almost literally killed me as a person and um (laughs) i'm not gonna get into that
2: but i think you should get into it i'm not gonna get
1: into that because it's still like used a lot and people like it so i'm just gonna leave it
2: and it's used like a lot a lot but people do not like i just want to clarify it I've never met anyone that actually, like, I know it's used a lot, but people <laughs> do not like it. I can guarantee you that.
1: Okay, people tolerate it, and a lot of yes. people tolerate it, and I almost died. Uh, and I wasn't <laughs> even the person that was doing a lot of the work on it. It's just, I was scared every day to check my email. No, you gotta
2: say it. It's not It's not that it's big fucking, a deal. You have to say it.
1: I, I can't say it. Can't say it. Uh, if you want to say it, Mike,
2: I mean, you can, but... I honestly forgot its name.
1: <laughs> what? Okay, I'll, I'll. I'll. It's a learning management system for classrooms, and I. You, it wasn't good. It was a big mess. So anyway, that was a big mess, and I'm not going to be doing that again. Oh!
2: Oh! Oh! I got it! I got it! I got oh, it! Oh no! It. I'm going to announce it. I'm going to announce it. Oh it's, no! It's, <laughs> I'm sorry if this actually ruffles feathers. I don't think it will because I'm. I've talked to three or four different people other than yourself. And our developer, uh, Moodle, the Moodle open source learning platform is—it's not good. Like I'll just say it. And anyone that's used it in their universities, so like a lot of people that have gone to U.S. universities or Canadian universities, they use Moodle because it's an open source free system. It's trash. Like it is so bad in so many different ways. <laughs>
1: now, hang on, hang on. Okay, I'm the person that like. I almost died because we worked on like a really busy project on it and like I never used Moodle before. First time I ever used it, used it. And then we had like every fucking issue physically possible. And we also (laughs) had to customize Moodle for a very specific set of very specific and like legally required changes to the learning platform, not because of Moodle, but due to like whatever and due to like the project itself and like we had problems of every type login issues people getting banned randomly suspension problems email problems like everything now the thing is is again we did customize it i want to be clear we did customize the the moodle instance so whether that made it unstable and 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 whatever i don't know but holy crap we've experienced everything from migrations with it to to like migrations to import, export data, to have it crashing on certain things, to have like chaos. We've had cache problems where the cache wouldn't, like the cache wasn't cleared and then it like wouldn't load a certain settings page. And like, I had no idea what the hell was going on because I was trying to like organizationally solve something. And every single time I went in there, something went wrong and it was a disaster. So I want to be clear that this was a customized version of Moodle that we were using, that we made. So I don't know if that was the problem, I know that Moodle does have a lot of good features, like it has a lot there. I'm not going to use Moodle again.
2: Um, Should we get a Moodle dev on?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you can get a Moodle dev on if okay, you want. Yeah. I don't need to talk about it anymore. Um, I mean, the sa- to be fair, like the same thing would have happened if I was working on like a really bad like WordPress instance, and we had all the, you know, oh, we need to migrate now. now we need to do this and do that. And we had so many things where we had to customize WordPress and then like customize literally like the core of WordPress. And then we had to like, if we if, if it got to that point with WordPress, I'd be writing off WordPress the exact same way. I want to be clear. So if you use Moodle and you like it, I understand. But for my very particular case, <laughs> I'm out and now I'm out for life. So I'm not using that. <laughs> um.
2: I'm going to ask on Twitter publicly if anyone's ever had a good experience using Moodle.
1: I mean, I did send you that one piece of documentation. And I think you tweeted it out. It was, I mean. That project almost made me leave the industry. (laughs) So I I just it's fine. Um, (laughs) It was just it was just a lot of work. And it was uh, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of tech that we were unfamiliar with. Uh, a lot of problems, this and that and the other thing. It was like 150 different problems with it, um, and it would just, it, I don't know. I just, yeah, I, 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 I'm done. I'm done with it. Okay, next question here. Uh, at what point would you write off an old database and remake the data set manually? So something like you can't export from a CMS, or you can, but it exports it horribly, or it exports it in a really weird format. And you can't import that into anything new and you can't get that exported file to convert to anything that would be like a CSV or something that would work on a more modern platform. So when when, or what would you ever decide to remake the database manually
2: um, or the data set, whatever it is? OK, so I'm going to counter this with the fact that if I can export it into any file that is readable, so JSON, CSV, anything that I can actually use. I can like adjust it to be importable into any other database. So there's no, sure. in, in no way is that going. So it, there, there would probably be, they, my answer would be never would I like just go from scratch creating it like manually. Um, the only time again, like you said, some systems don't allow you to export. So you're kind of bone there. What I would do in that situation and this is, might be janky, and if it, I don't even know if it's possible on those systems, is I would try to write a web crawler that would go through and like literally rip that information out from the site manually, right? Uh, before I would go in and try to <laughs> manually write a um, – manually create a database from scratch. Uh, the other situation that this could happen in is if the export of data is proprietary, so if it's an encrypted proprietary export that's designed to only be imported into its own systems, that happens as well, especially with secure data. Uh, that situation would, again, that would be the only other situation that I can think of that would require you to manually uh, recreate the data set. But I don't, again, I, I don't think it's possible. Like, I don't think it's it's, I would just ask the users to recreate their accounts. That would be the end. That would be my like worst case scenario.
1: I guess I guess like there is a I guess there is like a, you know, a an absolutism. If it's something like user accounts where you can just be like, hey, this old system is being decommissioned and we have to spin up a new one. And, you know, I don't know what's in these user accounts. Let's just say it's maybe some payment information or something so they can easily check out. I mean, those people can reinsert that and you might get some people fighting and yelling and stuff like that. I mean, like this is an outrage, but I assume that outrage would pass relatively
2: quickly. Um, so I, I got I got a response on the Moodle tweet, a live response. Oh, OK. <laughs> oh, the first response was forgot that existed, comma, thankfully. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no second response what's a moodle is that like noodles crazy cousin nothing to do with moodle in that one but still but to be fair i'm any i'm everything but i i was gonna say i'm everything but fair no i am fair the i'm everything response, but fair
1: i'm just i'm yeah. just freaking horrible <laughs> the third <laughs>
2: response was yes me have used it for a few months now so there are people out there that like moodle uh that's great um <laughs> good that's good. what i'm saying like like yeah
1: that's I, I, it, it's definitely like the reason why i'm so crazy is, is like it's definitely like the problems we experience not necessarily all due to moodle the project itself and then like just like i start, i just was doing it too much like i was just constantly just in in the moodle verse and i wasn't doing anything else every single time anyone needed help with anything it was like i sorry i sorry i'm in the middle of something like i'm doing i'm doing something on moodle and i just i couldn't i just couldn't handle it anymore Um. Yeah, that's basically it. So, I mean, I'll, I'm interested to hear more responses
2: from that, from yeah, that tweet. Yeah, they're piling in, so maybe I'll give another update at the end of this. Uh, Why is it so popular? I don't it? know. I think <laughs> yeah, I have no idea, but yeah. Yeah, let's let's keep going.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess like the, the main data set thing that I was thinking is stuff that is not necessarily irreplaceable, but like really difficult to move. So if you had, like you said, if, you, if it was a proprietary export and you could not get it, like secure data or something, and or very proprietary for a CMS, and it was not designed to be moved to anything else at all, which is rare these days. But you know, I'm sure there's some something out there that does this, and it's your blog posts, so it's not something we just be like ah, just remake your blog posts. It's sort of like that is the content of the site, so we had to kind of rebuild the whole site. So I, I don't know at what point I would write it off. Probably would hit a financial issue before a it would probably hit a financial issue before a technical one because i would even start asking around for scraping to just scrape the basics like let me all the headlines give me all the dates uh you know maybe we'll resource the images if we need to and give me all the content the written content if it's a blog i'd like scrape it all put it in a csv so it's kind of at that point it's sort of like i would start like looking into a solution to <laughs> making a solution almost um because it would take a while to probably make that scraping app and yada 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 etc especially if this thing is so proprietary but i think that it would probably hit a financial wall not necessarily on my side but it would be you know a client would probably ask us to do this and because mike and i usually have stuff with exit strategies like we already said or has an exit ramp and what ended up up happening is is they would just say hey you know i'm not going to pay for someone to make a web app just to recover my data And then the like the project would probably fall apart at that point. So I think ultimately, you know, given every single technical potential thing that I could think of and probably talking to other people, other professionals as well, if I just could not remake this data set or, or, or or export it or extract it in some way, if I just could not do it, then fine. I guess like that's that's the end of the road. But again, the money roadblock, the financial roadblock would probably come first. That's my opinion anyway. Next question here and and final question as well. At what point would you demand a quick or excuse me, a complete rebuild with no old features being respected? How bad does the project have to be in order for you to say, that's it, we're rebuilding this. And even though, you know, obviously, like both projects will have a nav bar or something like that. That's not what I mean by features. What I mean is is, you know, we're not keeping your old calculator plugin. If we need a calculator we're using a new one. Like, that's it. We're not using all any of this old stuff. At what point do you... What what point would you be pushed to this point, Mike? So, two things.
2: Uh, there's probably more, but the two things that come to my mind. Uh, one is, I don't... You don't have the credentials to log in anymore. And you don't... The team doesn't exist that can log in. So, the logins are gone. There's no way to recover them. And... Uh, there's no way to edit, update, nothing, right? Like there's no way to get in. Um, that would be one thing that would make me not rebuild, right? For sure, because probably impossible. Uh, second thing would be security. If the plugin or if the stuff that they want to keep, the data that they want to keep in in the database that they want to keep it is a serious security issue and they refuse to budge on that. Uh, and I... Detect it, like, and I tell them, like, I warn them that, hey, like, if you keep it like this, your data is not, like, it's open to the public and people can see credit card information. And they're like, no, we don't care about that. That's another wait, like, that's another time that I'll be like, uh, we have to rebuild. Uh, and if that's not okay, then I'll just leave the project. <laughs> I, I, won't, I won't do it.
1: That, that, that's ultimately the case, right? A lot of the time, this type of stuff does come down to the client or your own personal decisions. If it is a personal project and it comes down to, you know, just really kind of ripping the band-aid off, if you will. And if someone's just not willing or not able or, you know, not financially able to pay for that, then, you know, then sometimes, like Mike said, you just kind of have to walk away. I agree with that though. So if something's like really rough and it's like really unstable, the thing that first comes to mind is when you go to do routine things, whatever it is, and it starts having problems, then it's like, okay. And by routine, I don't mean necessarily like, you know, even advanced things, just basic things. You know, let's change the header. Let's upload a new image. That's pretty basic. And if it can't do that in the site or the project keeps crashing or it starts having weird problems or it starts throwing errors that aren't right. So what I mean by that is. If you go to upload an image and it's like contact form was deleted. I'm like, oh, oh, this is really messed up stuff like that. Or when you look up the error and it's for something else, like you went to go upload an image, it crashed and then it just tells you like your region's not correct. It's Like what? Region, Like we don't even have any regional sites like it's just one site. What do you mean? When things start to sort of not make sense, even in the troubleshooting is usually where I'm like, eh, the core is probably kind of rotten, like someone's probably gone in there and changed um, like probably gone in there and like changed the core files, which I mean, sometimes you got to do it. I mean, I just talked about an instance where we did and sometimes you got to do that. But it's just like, man, like we can't. <laughs> We can't ship this or we can't use this because this isn't going to work out. Um, That's kind of where I would start saying the generally a rebuild. Um, We definitely have um, or there's definitely like another instance typically with WordPress sites, although I'm sure it can happen elsewhere. But really busy WordPress sites, not just with plugins, but with everything else. Lots of files that just are sort of maybe someone threw in a PHP script to fix something. Lots of uh, things that are out of place. So people have custom CMS uh, in one place in the additional CMS. like. Vanilla WordPress area where you put it, but then they also downloaded like a custom CMS plugin and they have some of it in there. And then maybe they have a second custom CMS plugin or they have like a PHP script that does something really basic that WordPress can already do, or you can download just a quick plugin to do. So when it's just really busy, like a really big HD access, especially if a lot of it's commented out stuff like that, it's just like, this is a can of worms. And depending on the size of the project, of course. Is it worth that renovation where I go in there and it's like, OK, today we're going to correct the HD access. OK, today we're going to correct the PHPs, or today we're going to delete old stuff like we've had we've been given WordPress. Um, we've been given WordPress uh, like files like, you know, someone will give us like the files like here's here's my site. Like, can you please host it? And it has like the old backup in there, too. And sometimes it's a backup from something else. Like it's like maybe an old, old, old version of the site or we've had blank WordPress in there. Like just if it's really messy and it seems like it was sort of just rushed through and never refactored, never corrected or uh, there's just a ton of stuff there that is either going to give you technical debt right off the hop or stuff that looks like it will. Then I'm kind of like, hmm, you know, especially if it's like a WordPress site and a lot of them are relatively simple. I'm like, There's an off-ramp here where we can import export into WordPress instances. Let's off-ramp you from this and let's put you into a new one. And let's not respect any of the old plugins or anything. If we want them, great. You know, I'm not gonna write them off. But I'm not I'm not willing to deal with just a ton of technical debt, an absolute ton of technical debt and a bunch of stuff that's just a mess. When, you know, if, if you just have a very basic WooCommerce site or you just have a very basic blog and it's crashing a lot or having lots of problems a lot and needing developer, specifically developer intervention frequently that's when it starts really sort of tripping that alarm in my head where i'm like this is kind of a mess it's not that hard to build it's not like a huge 30 billion post blog and stuff flying around and all kind of you know, you know it's nothing that special let's do a rebuild let's um let's properly clean this out type of thing
2: I think, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Whenever stuff gets too busy, I kind of it almost gives me anxiety. If I go in there and I see five hundred plugins and I don't know which one's controlling what, like when we had the uh, Dreamweaver issue with templates. Oh, like when God. we first when we first did that Dreamweaver client that Matt was saying one of our first clients ever, uh, there was a situation where they were using I think like seventeen templates for one page, <laughs> and we didn't know what. Template was responsible for what section of the page, because technically they were like responsible for the entire thing, each one, and somehow they were layered on top of each other. I still don't know what's going on there. Thankfully, Matt handled 90% of that. Uh, but yeah, that that kind of stuff gives me huge anxiety where like I know that it's an investment of weeks just to learn what is controlling what. Now it's doable. Like you can go in and find what's controlling what. I'm not saying that it's impossible. It's just like at that point you have to weigh the options like matt said it does come down to a money decision as well where you're like listen i could spend three weeks determining what each one of these plugins does and that's fine we can do that but this is how much it's going to cost and then or we can just take that money and put it into starting from scratch and bringing in the plugins that we actually need as we need them and i always prefer the from scratch build position but it's not always what the client wants so again it usually comes down to money at the end uh, and that's kind of what leads the decision making for 90% of projects, if not more. Uh, So yeah, I kind of, I agree with that. I do want to give one final update on the Moodle situation. Uh, There has been quite a few replies. Oh It's both both coming from the development side of things and the people using it. Personally, I thought the people using it would hate it as well, honestly, like just bias uh, because I've tried to use it and I think I think some some online course that I did a while ago actually did use Moodle. I did not have a good experience with it. There are it, universities
1: around here, um, and when I say around correct. here, I mean in North America that do use it.
2: Oh, yeah. There's actually like a lot of universities that use it, and uh, yeah, apparently around the world as well, obviously. Uh, most of the people that use it seem to like it, so that's great. Um, I think one or two developers have responded saying, yes, they also did like using it, so again... Just because I don't like it doesn't mean it's good.
1: That, that's that's the thing yeah, that's is, is is that like when you look at it and you use it, it's it's fine. It has a lot of features. There's tons of different ways to do things. Uh, there's tons of different question types. Like it's it's really realistically a school. But then again, it's a school. I'm not a huge fan of schools, so like I'm obviously gonna have a bit of a dis, like a bit of a yeah, like I don't care type of thing. But also just because like, again, we had to we had to customize the crap out of this thing, like how like that project was that project took forever just to go live. Um, And it was like months behind and stuff like that. So it's just like a lot of it is the project and a lot of it is a lot of it's the project and a lot of it is, you know, first time with Moodle, you see a crazy error. What are you going to do with WordPress? I see a crazy error. You know, I'm still going to be like, oh, God. And then I got to go in. But I still generally know what the heck to do. Um. I, or at least I know how to how to start troubleshooting it with like something like this. I was just like, uh, OK, it gives me a critical error. OK, <laughs> like or uh, now I, I can't log in, so I can't see the administration panel. Now what? Like and and really now what? Because I'm not a back end dev. So now what? So I think it was just a perfect storm. Yeah. Um, I will say some of those some of those pieces of documentation do need to be fixed up though. I mean, Mike, you took that screenshot, or I sent you that screenshot of that one that I read. Some of that documentation's gotta be sorted out. Holy crap.
2: Yeah, that was that was bad. I mean, no project is perfect in that sense, but I that I've hardly ever seen anything like that before.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so good job, Moodle. Uh, but fix up your documentation and uh I I bid you adieu. Uh but <laughs> anyway. <laughs> But anyway, um, if you like episodes like this, now I actually do want to touch on that really quick. Okay, so
2: okay, no, no, no. Uh
1: oh, uh oh,
2: uh oh. <laughs> I got one. I got one final, one final response. What are the chances of this? <laughs> oh wow, I've heard its name mentioned a wh- for a while. My local authority ended up moving to Joomla because it had more to offer for schools. What are the oh chances? What are the chances of both of those, both Moodle and Joomla, <laughs> being mentioned in the same post? That
1: I don't know what (laughs) Joomla, like, not that I know what Joomla has, but I don't know what would be missing out of Moodle for a school. Like, we were doing something really, really particular. But at just, like, a school, like, from my own personal experience as a student, what the heck would Moodle not have? That's crazy, because there's hundreds of features I haven't touched in Moodle. Yep. Okay, well... There's a lot of tools out there. I mean, we were talking about Couch CMS the other day. That was that was awesome. I I couldn't believe that. I think you added, or so, maybe the person that tweeted it added me, or like you you added me to the thread yeah, or something. I
2: brought, I brought you in. Yeah, I knew you. But would it agree was.
1: And it was like, I was like couch CMS, like someone's talking about couch CMS and I like couch CMS. I like it a lot. I just moved along because I thought that the responsivity could do, could, uh, you know, use some work. And we had clients that wanted a lot of, a lot of features. And I was like, well, I got to use something like WordPress or got to use something like Webflow or what have you, what have you. Um, But like, I like couch CMS. If I had to make a personal site and someone was like, you know, choose from a bunch of different things, I, I might choose couch CMS. I don't know. I like Couch CMS. It's a good one. And I can't believe, like, it's it's interesting to me that, like, something like that doesn't come up all the time. Like, I feel like we shoot for the stars a bit too much. It's like, there's a lot of people that are, like, really successful and products that are really successful that aren't, like, in the zeitgeist, right? They're not, like, the clash of clans or whatever of of, of mobile games, let's say. But there's tons of mobile games making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month, millions of dollars a month that are they don't have commercials. They don't have TV. They don't have this and that and the other thing. Crazy. There's a lot out there. We should do we should have a segment almost. I almost feel like we should have a segment on like. I don't know. I don't know if I want to call it lost tech, but like lost tech or like.
2: Yeah, that's a good that's a good name. I think we can. definitely. Yeah. I like that.
1: Like something that like somebody brings it up on Twitter or something and you're just like, hey, I use like this, you know, whatever learning management system. And it's like, what is that? You know, and then you just find out there's like a whole community and people love it. And there's like probably discords for it and everything. And you're just like, man, I don't hear about this on tech Twitter at all. That'd be kind of cool. I be all right. New segment idea. Uh, and with that, actually, uh, we're doing a bit of a, a change in our episode structure. or I'm experimenting with it. Not, this isn't like a hardcore change or anything. Um, basically, we we've gone from, you know, we have some more conversational episodes, some more lecture type. And we've done like more lecture type than normal recently and some conversational like we had last week. I liked last week's and I'm asking you, the audience, this. So I liked last week's questions. And then Mike and I just kind of conversed. In this episode, I did a bit of a hybrid where I have a bit of an introduction, a bit of a let's set up the foundation of the product or of the uh, of the topic in sort of a foundational form and, and, and just really basics like, hey, like this is where these are the. The basics you need to know to understand why, where these questions are coming from. And then the questions sort of drive, or they do, drive conversation between Mike and I. I like it. I don't know if we'll use it for every episode, but do you, the listener, like it? It would be nice to know because uh, I know that a lot of episodes, obviously interview episodes are more conversational slash interview style. But there's a lot of episodes, a lot of just podcast episodes is what I mean at, at large, where it seems more natural than what we do but like we're trying to like kind of teach a bit and like kind of present a point so i'm interested in some feedback on there if you have any feedback please let us know on the socials especially mike is very active on the twitter so you can give him a shout there or you can always use our website form at htmlallthethings.com. um but yeah and if you want to support episodes like this remember we are on patreon slipped it in there say like <laughs> patreon.com slash html the things check out the tiers and give that a go and I forgot my Patreon document, Mike, so you're going to have to entertain the people with some, I don't know, elevator music.
2: Do, 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 uh, I, I will say the socials um, at HTML, everything on Twitter, just to make it a little bit easier for you to find. And you can also follow Matt. He is just pulling his up right now because it's a little bit different. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, my, mine's just a gaming reference. Like it's me. So it's, of course, it's a gaming reference. What is it, Matt Porter Bridges or something like that? M, M Porter Bridges. Just the first initial of Matt because I yes. ran out of
2: space. <laughs> M Porter Bridges. Gaming reference, but that is Matt Lawrence. And if you just look up Matt Lawrence on Twitter, you should be able to find M Porter Bridges. That's how I do it, usually. Cool. Wait, what? You look at me up? What's going on here? Google searching? Well, if I need to, no, if I need to, like,
1: uh, tag you or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Um, I do have my document up now. Always oh, forget this document. I made this damn procedure of having two separate documents, and I forget to do my own procedure every time. Horrible. Anyway, <laughs> many thanks to our $3 tier patrons, which right now actually have the list in front of me. Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital on BlueBlackDigital.com. Chris and Selfmade Web Designer on SelfmadeWebDesigner.com. Tim from The Web Hacker on TheWebHacker.com. DL Ford from DLFord.io. Bib Hashdash from, from 9 Media on nineblackmedia.com. Jason from Geek Life Radio via geekliferadio.com. Michael Curie from MC Web Studio via mcwebstudio.ca. Magnus from YesWeb via yesweb.se. And Jeff from Twitter via at the Jeff Kale. Feel free to leave a comment or review on the platform that you are listening to this on. And this outro will sign us off.
0: You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast Signing off.